Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And a very good afternoon to you and welcome to Thursday's Late Lunch. Barbara Scully here with you again. And it's a sunshiny Thursday here in Drada. I hope it's uh, I hope it's equally fabulous wherever you are. Today's World Alzheimer's Day, so shout out to all people working with uh, working for people with dementia and their carers and thank you for all you do. It's also the hospice coffee morning day. So hello, if you're drinking coffee for the hospice, hello there to you too. I hope the day is a resounding success. Now, an interesting thing caught my eye this morning. It's a new survey on behaviour and attitudes, I think, from the UK today. But there was one particular bit that interested me because it was on domestic chores. So listen up, ladies and gentlemen, because I would think that the results of this survey in the UK would be very similar if the same survey was carried out here. So what did it say? It said that more than three quarters of respondents said domestic labour should be equally split. Right. Fair enough. But 63. I mean, I'm worried about the other thir- the other quarter. Why did they not think it should be equally split? Anyway, 63 percent of women, however, said that they did more than their fair share of the housework. Just 22 percent of men said they shouldered most of the burden. And 32% of men admitted that they do far less than they should. So now I am talking to you, the men of Loud Mead and anywhere else that's listening. I have a question for you. Do you do your fair share of domestic chores? Like, do you cook the evening meal, do the washing, do the ironing? Do you clean the bathroom? And I don't mean once every so often. I mean, on a regular basis, do you equally share the domestic chores? Because I know from my own experience that uh, in general, women are still pulling the double shift. So I want to hear from the men today. If you are an equal sharer, let us know. Stand up and be counted and encourage other men to do the same. God, that would make such a difference to women's lives. Anyway, so let us know. um, Are you an equal sharer? Or let us know about anything else that we're going to discuss on the programme today that you want to comment on. You can send us a text or a WhatsApp to oh. 0861800658 and we would love to hear from you. Right, we have a very packed show for you today. Lots of stories, lots of interesting people for you to meet. So let's get straight down to business. Now, anytime we talk about biodiversity loss or climate crisis, I worry that we may be painting the problem as so big that it becomes overwhelming. But there are things that we can all do. And the Fair Seas campaign want us to make the issue of our coastal waters political. The Fair Seas campaign is a coalition of leading NGOs and networks in Ireland and is urgently calling on the Irish government to protect 30% of Ireland's seas by 2030. So joining me on the line now to talk about this is Dr Donal Griffin, who is the Marine Policy Officer with the Fair Seas campaign. Hiya, Donal. How are you doing? 
Hi there. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Not at all. It's good to talk to you. Um, I, I do think that, you know, to go back to, to what I said there, that sometimes the noise and the talk about climate change and biodiversity loss is, is overwhelming for people. That must make your job a little bit even more difficult than it already is, does it? Yeah, it certainly does. It can be overwhelming for you know mm. people that are working in that sector on those issues, but it can be overwhelming, I think, for the general public as well. But yeah, I think like a lot of things, you can have um, your up days and your down days, but there are actually lots of positives out there in the world. And biodiversity, the environment and climate, you know, we, we, we kind of wring our hands a little bit about... Um, we wring our hands about progress and action from government, but actually... On 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 many fronts, there has never been more eager and political drive to 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 act with the urgency and ambition and effective um, measures that 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 we need. Great. Okay, so Donald, can you kind of paint a picture for us as to how our coastal waters and marine life in general are faring at the moment? How are we? How, what's going on in the sea? Yeah, so there's, again, like I said, there's good news and there's bad news when it comes to our seas and the health and the the quality um, of our seas, or as I sometimes say, the happiness of our seas. So um, fair seas are are focused on marine protected areas, um, and these are areas in our seas that in law we manage and use differently than others. Um, with the stated intention of generating better biodiversity outcomes. Um, in other words, there are areas in our seas that we remove pressures or threats maybe to marine biodiversity, um, and what such would, as maybe... T- yeah. Sorry, yeah, what would those pressures... certain types of fishing, yeah, absolutely. So certain types of fishing or development, maybe um, it could be shipping, it could be naval exercise and the input of noise, it could be um, recreation. Uh, There are lots of different, unfortunately, there are lots of different pressures because there's such a demand for using our sea. Um, And marine protected areas, I guess, are like insulation from those uh, pressures and, and that allows these areas and the natural ecosystems and the species and the habitats in them to thrive and to grow and to, to what we call to recover, um, you know, to recover yeah. past levels of, of abundance. But in terms of, you know, the why we need them, uh, to get back to your question, mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, this idea of recovery is badly needed um, because our marine biodiversity has in the past, a lot of it has in the past or is currently declining. You know, we have large, you know, large fish numbers are plumbing shark species such as poor beagles, angel sharks, other sharks are undergoing dramatic declines. Um, bird species on land and at sea have under, undergone a 63% decline in new report um, wow. re, um, let, us, let us know last year, which is higher than the global average in fact, you know, so um, there are lots of, uh, of pressures but then uh, that I guess that speaks to why fair, what the Fair Seas core objective is getting strong marine protected area legislation through the Oireachtas as soon as possible, preferably before Christmas, so that these areas can be implemented and and designed um, with the help of local communities and stakeholders to actually drive that recovery that I was talking about as soon as possible. Yeah. And, and at the moment, how much of our seas are in these designated protected areas and how much do you think should be in a, de- in a designated protective zone? So at the minute, actually, so Ireland actually has the ability to create new marine protected areas at the minute, but through EU law. So Ireland, all of Ireland's marine protected areas now 
are derived or come from or are born out of um, EU legislation, that's the Birds and Habitats Directives, and that covers approximately in and around nine percent of our seas, um, which is a big area, which is a big area in itself, but it's very low compared to many other countries around the world. And actually, it's very low and missing the target that the government themselves have set, um, and that is to reach thirty percent um, by twenty thirty. Um, so that's, and they also had a target to reach ten percent by twenty twenty. So they just slightly Miss missed that. that. But there's so unless, and that's again, it comes back to why we're calling for this strong legislation, because without that strong legislation, the government will really risk um, missing their twenty thirty target. And uh, uh, you know, time is running out. We often say it of the climate crisis. You know, yeah. time is running out to avoid these catastrophic impacts of climate change. And it's equally true of the biodiversity crisis. You know, we need to act now um, to turn the tide on biodiversity loss at la- on land and at sea. Yeah. One of the upsides of uh, being active, as I am too active, on social media is that we regularly now see amazing footage that, that we wouldn't have seen previously. You know, we, we see footage of whales and dolphins and basking sharks. Do you think that that can be something that sometimes gives us a false sense of security that actually, God, look at this fabulous wildlife in our Irish waters, everything is tickety-boo? I absolutely couldn't agree more. Um, and it is awe-inspiring, all those videos. I was out um, of the... Um, a few weeks ago with the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group on their sailing research festival and we've seen all sorts. We've seen minke whales, we've seen bottlenose dolphins, common dolphins, sunfish, tuna, uh, we've seen all sorts of porpoise. So it was really inspiring, you know, and mm. I needed that connection to the sea again because I spent too much time in front of my desk these days. <laughs> Don't we all? Is, it's a, <laughs> I know we all do, um, but actually, you're right. It's a contradiction there because the, the the amazing biodiversity that Ireland boasts and we should all feel proud of is actually uh, just remnants of what it once was. You know, all those species that I just mentioned there will have undergone d- declines in the last in recent years, decades, and even over hundreds of years. So when we look out and see all that beauty and we should rightly feel inspired and try to see it ourselves and experience it, there's nothing like it. But we should always keep in our mind that if we don't protect what we have left, then we will really be in a bad position. And actually what we need to be striving for is not just to protect what we have left, which is amazing, but actually to re- to recover those populations, to recover that biodiversity, to past levels um, which are really through the roof because the the coast and seas around Ireland, it really is um, it's a fantastic place for marine biodiversity. You know, people think about the, the in Australia, the Great Barrier Reef mm. and the diversity, and we have our reefs here in Ireland. We have the diversity, um, but we need to if if we don't act now to protect it better than we have been doing then you know that the, the trend is downwards and we want to we want that trend to be going upwards yeah um are you still there with me donal i, think I am sig- indeed. sorry, sorry. I think the I signal am. dropped there for a second um you know, talking about the sea, um, and I think anybody, even somebody like me who doesn't do it all year round, but will swim in the sea in the summer. The talk anywhere that you went swimming was like, oh, isn't the water really warm this year? Um, our seas are heating as well, aren't they? Which is another part of the problem. 
Yeah, that, that is a big problem as well, and it's a problem that we've, you know, scientists and the 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 the, the science and evidence and academic community have been warning about for a long time, same as climate change. Mm. So much much of the ex- excess heat that that is created from greenhouse gas emissions, you know, through human activities and the way we we live, is actually absorbed by the ocean. So we're very lucky that the ocean does that um, and the seas around Ireland do the same. They provide that important service for humankind. But they're taking, that, they're taking the hit then for the, for the rest of us. They are taking the hit. Mm. That's exactly right. It takes a toll mm. on the ocean, including on the marine species, uh, on ecosystems, and it can change everything from animal behaviour movement, the physiology of animals, the distribution, and it all goes to destabilise what is very finely tuned um, global ecosystem um, and, and the, 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 the outworkings of that can be can, can have real consequences mm. for coastal communities, for society, for mm. the, the, the species themselves, mm. and it can impact on food security. You know, a lot of people around the world rely primarily on, on the fish. sea for food security. Yeah, on fish, coastal protection, climate regulation itself relies yes. on healthy, you know, ecosystems. So it's a bit of a house of cards there. And when you heat up the sea so that you kind of throw off um, those delicate balances, you know, the whole thing can come down. That's not to be alarmist about it. But we just need to act now. No. And it just stresses the importance of, of doing all we can. Sure. Now, one of the things that I think a message that we could send out today from our conversation is um, that your the Fair Seas campaign want all of us to make this an election issue so that we could all when when they come knocking on the doors, whether it's the end of next year or the following year, that we, we, we insist that our politicians act on all kinds of things, but particularly on, on the seas. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that I've r- r- written about before. Um, I'm just telling our p- politicians that we care, you know, yeah. something as simple as that, yeah. letting them know that as their constituents, this uh, we will judge them by their... Yeah, that we will judge them by their environmental action and vote accordingly. It's a really powerful message. It's a really powerful message. Lovely. Listen, that's brilliant, Donald. I really, I could talk to you again, as I say, for the rest of the afternoon about this. But thank you so much for that insight. That's a great message to, to leave us with today. That was Donald Griffin there from the Fair Seas campaign. We'll take a break. And you're welcome back, Barbara Scully, with you today. Now, my uh, GAA playing daughter told me a story last week. Her club, the Geraldine Morins GAA Club, hello to them in Cornell's Court in Dublin, got a new sponsor for their ladies team, which meant they had jerseys um, that weren't very old and they were donating them to a club in Uganda, which I thought was really interesting. The GAA Club in Uganda is the first club abroad that hasn't been founded by Irish expats. And joining me now, please God, I've got my fingers crossed from Uganda to tell me more, is John Walsh of the Irish Club in Uganda. Are you there, John? Uh, yeah, I am, Barbara, hey! if you can hear me. I can hear you loud and clear. That's brilliant. Great. How are you doing? Um, I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for taking the time. Tell me, who did set up this GAA club in Uganda? Well, there's uh, it's a it's a long story. There's two of them Give me now, the short version now, a, yeah. On the short version. We had the Blitz, which was very successful um, last St. Patrick's Day. And mm. from that day, a lot of schools got involved and there was a lot of coverage in the Ugandan media. And from that, it blew up. And there's four more schools now playing GA that have all been set up in their own little uh, schools, which is fantastic, from Entebbe to Kampala to Hoima, which would be out near uh, the DRC, actually. And there was, so some, there was some story about them kind of watching TikTok videos and that during COVID, which was where they, they discovered a love of, I think, hurling in particular. Is that right? 
Oh yeah, one hundred percent, and it's still used by the it's still used by the new by the new clubs because it's uh, there's not enough Irish people here to be training, and uh, so TikTok, YouTube, and all that is fantastic for it. <laughs> I'd love to know what they made of hurling because I mean I know even in the UK they they can't get over hurling, so um, I, I can imagine it was something they hadn't come across before. Oh, they love it. It's it's fantastic. So it is. They just. Uh, the Gaelic football is is a lot easier to uh, comprehend for them, but the hurling they go hell for leather at it, and most of them don't even have boots or shoes; they're out in flip flops. And how are they uh, managing so, uh, for hurlies? Oh, we have hurls. Cool Tech donated a load of hurls last year um, when for Paddy's uh, event this year, I should say. Sorry, and there's more hurls coming out now thanks to. Um, the generous donation of Irish people back home and a lady from Leash, Bernie Maloney, she actually gathered them all for us and they just, they're on the way. They're on a ship somewhere <laughs> in the Mediterranean on the way to Uganda, which is which is fantastic. And as there's more clubs, there was the Irish people were so generous. There was far too many hurls and boots for just the few that were playing in the first club. But now there's a few more clubs and one of them here close to me, the Equator Gales, and there's an, uh, the other two we'll be able to expand and now the kids that are want to play have access to uh, all the materials they need, hurls and helmets. And schlitters. And schlitters, yeah. Listen to and me like as if I know what I'm talking about and I haven't a breeze. Um, now tell me about, I know you were anxious also to get girls and women involved uh, in, in the sport there. How's that going? Well, yeah, it's going fantastic. Well, as I said, the first, the, the what you would see as Uganda GA was, that was the first club set up by the Ugandan guys themselves that were setting it up. And they were concentrating, still are concentrating on Harlan, doing great, fantastic work out there. But the football, especially, was a lot easier for the girls because they play netball here. Right. So the other clubs are doing Harlan as well, but there wasn't enough hurls or helmets here at the minute. Uh, so they're really concentrating on football for the girls because it's just it's it's sad to say anywhere, but here in a developing country, it, it, it's worse with um, girls not being given the same opportunity as boys. Sure. So the Gaelic football, they're really taken to it. And for the netball, they have the skills already. It, yes. It's fantastic the way, especially because the, the boys don't play netball here. Yeah. So the girls are taken to the Gaelic football a lot better than the boys are. Well, listen, I know of a team in Cornell's Court in County Dublin who'd be delighted to arrange a match out there if you wanted to set that up. They're a great ladies team as well uh, down oh, the road for me. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll be we'll be able to send it. Well, that's the plan. Look, at long term plan is 2026. We would be sending a team. That's the next World Games. We'd be able to send a team of boys and a team of girls Brilliant. to the World Games. Awesome. Now you have to be over eight. Yeah, you have to be over 18. So it's a three-year plan. So we'll be starting with 15, 16-year-olds this year. We'd say coming up in the next two months, really with a with enough teams that we could pick the best Team. kids to go and represent sure. Uganda. That's yeah. amazing. Now, listen, tell me quickly, there's a fesh uh, that's either coming up shortly, I think, is it? Last week. No, we had Last it on week. Saturday. We, you did. Yeah, we had it Saturday. It was fantastic success. Even Michael Flatley sent us messages, which was very oh unexpected. And yeah, it was... That was, uh, yeah, and here's what's fantastic. Again, as I said, it, it's just geographical where, you know, it's a big country. So a lot of, all those kids, there was 30 of them in the fish. They also play Gaelic football, Gee, which is, Mike. yeah, which was really fantastic. Oh, the fish was, was a wonderful, was a wonderful, wonder event. And you can see that. Actually, I just give that a shout out for people. If you could go on Instagram, you can, uh, irishdancing.ug, it would be great to, support that and you see what the kids are doing because give me uh, that again Irish dancing 
Ug on Instagram. Dot Ug on Instagram. Yeah. And also then there's also an Instagram official Uganda GAA, all one word also on yeah, Instagram. That's one. And if you could give the other new GA club that has just started uh, Equator Gales, that's the other club that's getting started as well. So it would be great to get the three of them giving them a shout out. And if somebody, if somebody is listening here, maybe involved in a club here that wants to donate something, is that the best way to make contact through those Instagram accounts? Uh, it is, or either that, or through the embassy. You understand, either one is is, is a good one. But the Instagram accounts are fa- are the best for the Irish dancing, especially. Uh, we really need hard shoes and things like that through the Instagram, and in either the Equator Gales or Uganda GA. Both of them are two clubs, and so it, it'd be like and Tony do they have anything, or Cork. Do they have anything specifically on the on the on the sports side that they need helmets or anything like that? Uh, boots is the biggest one. Which say again? Uh, yeah, boots, football boots is the football biggest one. Boots. And actually, yeah, do you know what's uh, gum shields? Uh, oh, see, there's no important. secondhand gum shields. Honestly, that's the, just because, especially with the girls in the Gaelic football. Yeah, you don't We were so concentrating on hurls. Yeah, we we didn't do, we didn't um, concentrate on anything else. But the gum shields, and they're easy to get out. Um, they're small, even people can throw them in their bags. I'm coming home at Christmas myself, so I could fire a blast of gum shields in my bag even. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is to, to follow the three social medias because the more the more now we've two clubs, the two clubs will be able to compete. Yes. And that, that just is better for the kids as well uh, and everything. That's just I, I just think that's one of the best stories I've heard in ages. It really is brilliant. Yeah. So listen, the best of luck to you. I, I will be watching those accounts with interest and I'll be waiting for my daughter to come home and tell me she's fundraising to pay for airfares out to Uganda where they're going to play a blitz with the local uh, the, the local women out there. Um, and yeah. I think that would be just amazing. If you see any if you see any of the uh, the Geraldine Morin's GAA club jerseys arriving out as well, you can uh, you can give them a shout out uh, because I believe I have it on good authority that they are on there way. John, thanks a million for joining me. That was John Walsh there of the Irish Club in Uganda. And just to go back on those Instagram accounts again, at official Uganda GAA and then at Equator GAA. Was that right, John? At Equator I'll, I'll check that one out. I'll put it on my own account. And then there's the Irish Dancing at irishdancing.ug. Uh, that's it. We'll take a break. And you're welcome back to Late Lunch. This is Barbara Scully in today. Now, my next guest is a coach, an NLP practitioner and a hypnotherapist. She's also a disabled woman and she did something extremely brave for her new book, which is called I Smiled Back, which is out now. Siobhan Mungavan, how are you? And you're very welcome to the Late Lunch. I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me. Not at all. It's a joy to talk to you. Now, you you wrote a book called uh, I Smiled Back and it's published by Book Hub Publishing. And I know because I wrote a book last year, well, I wrote a book that was published last year. Writing a book, if you're just talking about the words, is not an easy task. It certainly isn't. I think a lot of people, they just think they you sit down and write a book. But for yes. the, the type of books that I have written, um, this would be my second one. There's a lot of personal development work that has to go into writing a book and making sure that I'm in the, the right space of mind to share what I want to share to the world. So and even a lot of even just getting the words on the page, you know, getting to, you know, a decent amount of word count on the page is it's it's a tough ask. So congratulations. But you, you, so you went a step further <laughs> with this <laughs> book um, because you embarked on a very uh, special photo shoot, which and the photos from this photo shoot actually form the structure of the book. So tell us a little bit first about what you did uh, about the actual photo shoot. 
Um, yes, I guess I did kind of step a little bit outside my comfort zone. A little with, bit? Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with um, but I guess the whole ethos of the book is kind of to, to promote um, body positivity for all individuals. And with this, I'm coming from the perspective of having um, a disfigurement. Um, I have uh, hyposcoliosis. Um, and I have spina bifida as well. So I do think out in the public domain, this one isn't really spoken about very much. So I do speak about topics in the book that are not very much spoken in today's society that I feel do need to be spoken about. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great you, thing What to did you do? What did you do? Tell people what you did. <laughs> um, I suppose I did a naked photo shoot. Which is, that would frighten the living daylights out of most women, um, you know, but especially if your body looks different. Tell me about how you approached that. Well, I was very fortunate. I got to work with an amazing photographer here in County Clare, um, Yvonne McTiernan, who made me extremely comfortable. Because, yeah, like you said, it's not something that you do on the daily. It's something that, as, as I said, outside my comfort zone. But I guess what drove me through it was my why and why I was doing it and to help and promote that we're all different and we're all unique in our own little way. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I have to say, I'm married to a photographer, uh, so I see a lot of photographs um, and the photographs in the book are actually stunning. They really are. They are super beautifully lit um, and beautiful photographs. And I think then the way that you used each photo to kind of not inspire, prompt you to write about a particular aspect of your life or about life in general. How did you come up with that idea? And was that in your mind before you did the photo shoot or did that come to you after you looked at the photos? Well, I guess I wanted to kind of articulate an emotion in each of the photos because um, as you can read throughout the book, each chapter is articulated with a certain emotion, whether it's whether it's sadness, whether it's grief or whether it's happiness. I really wanted to, I wanted the, the spoken word to be as clear as the 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 photos are just as important as a spoken word. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, you, you mentioned there a moment ago about uh, body positivity. Um, and I was struck by something you wrote in the in one of the early sections of the book when you said that you wanted people to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. I want people to know that it's OK to be nervous. It's OK to have fears and to not know about disfigurement. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think the element of curiosity is great because um, I'm the type of person, I don't mind people asking me any questions. I would prefer somebody to ask me a question about my disfigurement than to just come up with an assumption. Yeah. So I think it, it's okay to be nervous, like I said. It's okay to ask those questions. Like, I'm very open and excuse the pun, I am an open book. I, I'm very honest and I articulate myself as best I can. And I want to educate people and I want to show that, like I said, it's okay to be different and it's okay to not know, like, it's, education is the key and communication is key. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what has been the reaction? Uh, I mean, your book is, I know, only relatively new out, but what has been the reaction so far? Have, how, how have people reacted to, to the book? Yeah, the, the response has been amazing. I've been very fortunate. I've gotten to work with such amazing people with this project and it's now out into the universe and it's helping, uh, if it helps and supports one person to to overcome their their anxieties or their fears in relation to their differences, my job is done. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, well done. Now, in the book also, which again, I just, I, I mean, I was blown away because the book I wrote was a bit of memoir as well. But you talk about relationships and sex and sexuality um, mm-hmm. quite in a, quite a personal way. Did you have to mentally prepare yourself to go to the places you went to in the book? Or did that come, did that feel quite easy for you to do? Um, yes, I definitely had to come to that space where I was comfortable, like you said, sharing about um, relationships and sex. It is a very, go to a very vulnerable place. And with my first book, I wasn't ready to kind of open myself up to that stage. But with this book, this book is a more mature version of looking at the world. It's, it's as I am now as a, a woman at 37 years of age. And with the relationships and, and the intimacy, I wanted to kind of show people that we're no different. Yes, I have a disability, but I believe everybody, no matter who they are, whether they have a disability or they're able-bodied, everybody deserves love and everybody deserves to receive love. And I just wanted to, that taboo out in society, I want to kind of to to break through that and to show that we can all have relationships. I'm in a relationship, a very loving relationship at the moment, and I want to be able to help people that you can, your person is out there. You may have to wait a little while like I did, but your person is there. I listen, loads of us had to wait a little while. (laughs) (laughs) I've often said to my husband, it was like the two of us were waiting for the last bus and wondering, was this the last bus or will there be another bus along afterwards that we can get on? Um, The other thing that I thought was interesting um, was that you wrote at the end of the book about COVID-19 and how, you know, that you as as somebody who has a lot of health challenges um, dealt and got through COVID-19. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? COVID-19 was difficult for each and every single one of us, all the listeners listening in. It was difficult for us in our own different way. But in a, in a strange kind of way, um, COVID-19 helped me to bring, bring me back to myself and bring me back to getting to know myself, sometimes some parts of myself for the very first time. And in a strange way, I'm very thankful for that because before COVID-19, I probably was kind of looking for reassurance and looking for all of that externally. But during COVID-19, I kind of, I kind of learned to look within myself and to, to help and support myself, to give myself that reassurance and that love instead of looking for it externally. Uh, now, I said in the introduction that you work as a therapist and, and a coach. Can you tell me a little mm. bit about the, the work you do? Yeah, well, I am, I'm a mind coach and a hypnotherapist, like you said, and I help and support women to... Um, to look within to find self-acceptance. Um, um, I'm a firm believer of finding self-acceptance before self-love because we, that's, and it comes back to the book as well, like to, to able to accept myself for my good, my bad, and my somewhat quirky ways. So <laughs> I think finding acceptance within yourself and finding that peace, and I want to help and support women with that because before my books, I was a, a client of life coaching for seven years, and I'm a I'm a I'm a complete advocate for um, talk therapy and I always will be. Very good. Yeah, I must say, I totally agree with you. I want to ask you also, um, this conversation is going all over the place, I know, but the, the other thing which struck me when I picked up your book, and again, I know you address it in the book, is your surname, which I thought was really unusual. I've never heard of it before. So mm. tell me a little bit about where is Mungavan from and what does it mean? I guess it, it, it was very interesting with the book. Like I did, I had to do a little bit of researching of my own name because it's not, it isn't a very common name and it, there isn't much research out there in relation to it, but it is, um, it is a West Clare name and it, it's Whitehead. And, and I guess that's, it's, it's apparent without, within my whole family that a lot of the gentlemen in my family, we all, they all have. 
Sorry, I it think... isn't quite. Be- it's a beautiful name, as as is every other surname. And and you said there just if people missed it, it was uh, it means white hair. Is that right? Yeah, white hair. Yeah. Very good. Not something you so, have. You've lovely dark there's, hair. <laughs> there's grey hair coming out of my hair too, no doubt. Ah, uh, sure. We'll all go that way at the end. <laughs> Listen, if somebody wants to get into, well, first of all, where can people pick up your book? Is it available in in bookshops now? Um, yes, it's available here locally in County Clare and the bookshops are O'Mahony's and it's also available on my publisher's website, uh, bookhubpublishing.ie and also on my own website, which is keepsmilingalways.ie. Uh, here, do you know what, Siobhan? Always say your own website first. <laughs> <laughs> Always say your own website first, girl. <laughs> well, so if people want to buy the book, get on to uh, Siobhan's website, which is again, Siobhan, give us it again. Keep smiling always. Keep smiling always. and is that where people go as well if they want to get in touch with you professionally for your coaching service and all that kind of they stuff? They can do, but um, I guess like I am an Instagram girl out there, so I am I am on Instagram, and my handle is uh, Keep Smiling Coach. Keep smiling, Coach. Listen, you've had me smiling today. It was really lovely <laughs> to talk. Really lovely to talk to you, Siobhan. I wish you the best of luck with the book. I hope it flies off the website and everywhere <laughs> else that it is. And uh, thank you for talking to me today. We'll take a break. Thank you so much. Isn't that just a magnificent song? Dolores O'Riordan just had the most beautiful voice. I love that song. It's given Louise, my producer, flashbacks because she has just admitted. Can I share this on air, Louise? She has just admitted that a million years ago when she lived in Australia, she borrowed a tape. Louise is actually way older than she looks. She borrowed a tape from the library in Sydney and she brought it home with her. She never brought it back. She's worried now she'll never get back into Australia. Uh, but I told her if she maybe packs it in her bag when she's going back and she can use it as a great excuse for why she's going back to Australia. Anyway, that was uh, the Cranberries and Dolores O'Riordan. And I hope the library in Australia isn't listening or they'll know where to find it. Now, I want to wish a big happy roundy birthday to Thomasina Maguire from Navan. And that comes in from all... Her family. I don't know which roundy birthday it is, but uh, but Thomasina, I hope you're having a lovely day, and I hope they're all spoiling you rotten. Now, I also want to tell you about the bingo next Tuesday's jackpot is eight thousand euros. So make sure you get your book today. And we want to send congratulations to Paula Matthews from Drogheda, who won four hundred euros. Pauline Riley from Navin and Joan Griffin from Dum Conrath, who won three hundred euros each. And also well done to Patsy McEntee from Kings Court and Bernadette Hobbs from Terman Fecken, who won two hundred euros each. So buy your book today. Outlets throughout the Northeast have them. And remember that when you play LMFM Bingo, you are now supporting the Gary Kelly Cancer Support Centre as well. Now, uh, help is needed here. This is important, very important. If there is anybody passing Kells this afternoon who could collect a little hedgehog who was getting some treatment and needs to be released back in Cooley this evening, will you please um, give a call to this number? 87 Four one six five one five seven. That's a little hedgehog. I got. I'd nearly do that myself. I haven't seen a hedgehog for ages. A little hedgehog needs to get from Kells back to Cooley. And if somebody could do that this evening, that would make that little hedgehog very, very happy and return him to where he lives. Um, now, another thing <laughs> is uh, the Premier League live with Harvey Norman. Um, 
Check out the exclusive Premier League games every Saturday on Premier League Live with Trevor Welch on the LMFM app powered by TalkSport. The Saturday fixtures are at three o'clock Manchester City versus Nottingham Forest in the Premier League. At half five, Brentford versus Everton in the Premier League. And at 8pm, Burnley versus versus not versus versus Manchester United also in the Premier League. So you can check all of that out on the LMFM app powered by talk sport and enjoy all that. We'll take another break. Now, if you're a parent, do you find that parenting may seems harder in the wintertime? Well, help us on hand because joining me now to talk about this is Dr. Mary O'Kane, who is lecturer in psychology and education and the author of Perfectly Imperfect Parenting. Hello, Mary. How are you? Thank you for joining us. Hi, Barbara. You're more than welcome. Lovely to chat to you. And to have you as well. Now, listen, tell me, is parenting harder in winter? Because it would seem kind of counterintuitive with kids back to school and everything I would have thought it might have been easier I can't remember it was that long ago myself so do parents find it harder in the winter? It's a funny one Barbara because I know what you mean you kind of have when the months are school going you have that break Yeah. but interestingly a lot of parents say they do and I think partly it's because you know in the summer I know there's no school in their home but very often we let go we just relax Mm. a little bit we lower our expectations so there's no running around, there's no chauffeuring them. We kind of let go of that. So there's more freedom, if you like, more flexibility. And I suppose, hopefully, the sun is shining. <laughs> um, as we come into the winter, um, you know, the evenings are creeping in. And once they're back to school, there's the dreaded homework as well, which can make um, evenings a bit difficult. Yeah, yeah. OK, so so you have some tips for parents who find it all um, a little bit difficult, ways to kind of ease the pressure, if you like. OK, so let's let's go through these. The first one is about outdoors, time outdoors. Tell me about that trying to get them outside. Barbara, I was laughing. I was listening to you yesterday talking about being at the ploughing championship (laughs) and crying because you couldn't get your wellies off. That was very traumatic. For the first time I went to the ploughing, not yesterday, the day before, in the lashing of rain and we had to push our car out. Oh no. Oh, it was unbelievable. But I was just saying to my husband and I'm I'm not a sort of knee-deep in mud girl, but I said to him, Everybody was smiling. Everybody was equipped for it. The wellies, the waterproofs. Sometimes in Ireland, I think we see the rain and we think, oh, I couldn't go out on that. Get your children outside every day in the winter. Wrap them up, put on the wellies, a bit of fresh air, letting off a bit of steam. Being outside lifts their moods. So don't worry about the rain. Just get them, equip them. There's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. Exactly. You'll wrap them up and get, get them out and run the legs off them. That's my first one. And that can make the evenings then easier when they come back in. I remember doing that myself when the kids were small, you know, and mainly not because of anything other than they were doing my head in at home. And I remember putting yeah. them in the car and saying, <laughs> we're going to the beach. And they looked at me because like that, it was lashing rain and it was freezing cold. And I wrapped them up and said, we're going to the beach. And they ran around on the beach in the wind and the rain and they yeah. had a great time um, and as long as you remember to put a black sack into the car that they can sit on or put their dirty sandy wellies on or whatever uh, you're laughing now your next one is yeah. is again coming back to this thing of kind of letting go a little bit of control yes this is exactly that let go of perfection I think as parents, we kind of have this idea we need to provide our children with everything. So we should have them running around with all these extracurricular activities. They should be going to this after school. They should be going that. They should be doing the other. 
And we put them under pressure and we put ourselves under pressure. We really don't need to overschedule their lives and, and end up a chauffeur yourself at the end of it. Yeah. Um, they don't need expensive activities. They really don't. I think if we can let go of those expectations, it, again, it can make for just a more relaxing winter. Yeah. I remember one of the things, uh, you're bringing back all kinds of memories now as I'm talking to you, because as I say, my girls are all adults now. Well, apparently they're adults. <coughs> um, <laughs> the one who woke me up at 10 past seven this morning to want to know where the flipping um, first aid kit was. I'm still not speaking to her. But anyway, um, <laughs> no, you're reminding me of when they were kind of in junior school at this time of year, you know, a week or two after they go back to school. And like you say, you're, you're heading into the darker nights and all the rest of it. I used yeah. to love taking them down to, you know, an art shop or a hobby shop and picking up colouring things and new paints and stuff like that. And jigsaws, things like that. Old fashioned kind of things. Barbara, you've hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. And that actually feeds nicely into my next tip, which is at the weekend, plan like sort of snuggly little indoor treats, like things like all getting together, doing a bit of arts and crafts or whatever. You know um, the way the Danes are always known as the happiest people in the world when they Mm. do these surveys. There's this concept in Denmark called hygge, and the, basically what it means is snuggling inside, in the warm, comfort food, warm drinks, you know, blankets, mm. candles, mm. all that sort of thing. So wine. Again, oh, like, no, you're not allowed to give your kids oh. wine. Sorry. <laughs> hot chocolate. We know the hot chocolate. <laughs> you can I put Baileys that. in the hot chocolate, so you're not allowed to do that for the kids <laughs> either. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> A bit of Baileys in your own. Yeah, that's, that's this, it. And the idea is like like a games night, a movie night, but snuggling in together and plan them. Like let them know every Saturday night we're going to run to the fire or whatever. And maybe fairy light, scented candles, whatever it is. Games night, pick up film maybe or something that they all enjoy. And just making that as a little ritual at the weekend, a bit of family time, again, is something to look forward to. And you know what the best part of doing that is? Everybody puts on their PJs early. Because yes. nobody, so nobody's calling, you're not answering the door uh, yeah. unless it's a takeaway and um, you're just mm-hmm. going to put on the pyjamas and just chill out. Oh God, that's that. I really want to yeah. do that now. I can't wait for those nights again. <laughs> that's oh, amazing. I'm telling you. Yeah, that's, it's the, and I, I you know what? It's you. the best thing about living in this climate is that we can do that. Um, my yeah. eldest daughter lives in Australia and it's the one thing I think I couldn't ever move away from this climate because of that as you say, the the, de- the Danish Heige or the cosy enough yeah. or whatever. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's very good for your m- mind, body and spirit. Now, what's your last one? This is really and good. This is really good. It's you to look after yourself. You know that? You can't pour from an empty cup, but it's true. It really mm. is true. But, you know that? I always think of the whole idea of self-care and whatever. And you know that the cabin crew thing? In case of emergency, put on your own oxygen oh, mask yeah. when your plane is starting. And what I really don't like about that is... We do that. We wait till there's emergency. Mm. We wait till we're burnt out before we put on our oxygen mask. No, you need to do it before you're burnt out. So before you ever get to the point where you're frazzled and you're losing the rag at your children all the time, before that, look after yourself, you know. And there's two things. One is, I always say, try and connect with somebody each day, somebody supportive. It could be your next-door neighbour. It could be giving your mum a ring. It could be your best friend, a quick chat with her, even a text or two. But connect with somebody who who supports you. And the second one is do something for yourself every mm. day. Do something. We don't. We put our kids first, our partner first, our parents first, as 
as mothers in particular, I think we put everybody else first and we leave ourselves the bottom of the list. It's so good. To, now, that's to be just painting your nails. Mm. You can be walking the dog on your own, you know. And mm. um, just something for you, though, um, that just has that little bit of, of self-care. And I mean, I know self-care is more than these little things. Yeah. But doing a little thing every day is really healthy. It's, it's really good for you. And as I said, you, you won't be able to have like a, a calm and connected home life if you're absolutely frazzled yourself. You really won't. Yeah, and I think the other thing, I think that's really important actually because I think the other thing is that it helps you to remember who you are, that you're not just mammy, yes. that you're also yourself oh, and you yes. have your own needs and your own likes and dislikes and all the rest of it. Um, but I, I yes. agree also that it can be really difficult uh, for you to do that. And I feel, I did some research when I was doing my book. Um, I did some research and came across this thing called the U, the U curve of happiness, which kind of said yeah. that we start off in our 20s reasonably happy, but our happiness curve goes down when we reach those years when we've got young kids and we're at, whether we're at home looking after the kids or you're out working, plus, yeah. as I said earlier, pulling the double shift. That's when life is actually at its most pressurised. So I think yeah. it's really important that, as you said, women in particular take the time out and don't yeah. feel guilty about it. You know, don't feel oh, guilty about saying it. I'm going to go yeah. and have a bath and you're not allowed. Now, obviously, don't leave your young children alone if you're going to have a bath. Yeah. Make sure that yeah. daddy's there or whatever. Mm. Uh, but, you know, the, yeah, but take the time. Yeah. yeah, to take them. You go for a walk, you know, mm. go to the gym. You know, But something for yourself. And as you, you hit the name of the head there about the guilt thing, Barbara. Mm. I think that we feel guilty exactly. if we prioritise ourselves. But we really do forget if you get burnt out. You know, at that point, you're so puzzled. You're, it's really important to, to do it before that. You're so right. Now, listen, just tell me quickly before we run out of time. You have got some talks, two things I've coming two up. Two talks just, coming up. Yeah, yeah, give us those really quickly there. The first one is next Tuesday, and it's in the Crown Plaza in Dundalk. Mm-hmm. It's a free talk. This one is for early years educators. Great. So it's all about parents with them. It's um, courtesy of the County Child Care Committee in Laos. And, and it's all about relationships between preschools and parents, but it's for educators. So Crown Plaza in Dundalk. And then there's a and webinar. The one mm-hmm. is a webinar. It's on Wednesday, 27th, and this one is for parents, and this is called Parenting with Patience. So Fabulous. it's about those days when you're struggling. And, and you can get more information yeah, on your social media. Social media. Dr. Mary O'Kane, if they look me up, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Good whatever, woman. the information's up there. Good woman. Listen, it was great talking to you, Mary. Thanks so much. Very Thanks, sage, Barbara. wise advice. And you're welcome back to The Late Lunch. This is Barbara Scully here now. After the fantastic success of their first Funny Women event in June of last, no, June last, June of this year, comedy writers Orla Doherty and Val Troy are putting on another all-women comedy night in November. And joining me to tell me all about that now is Val Troy. Hi, Val. Hi, Barbara. Thanks so much for having me on. No problem. And I think we should give a shout out to poor old Orla, who's under the weather, uh, but she is listening in, I am sure. So mind yourself, yes, Orla. should. Yes, mind yourself, Orla. Orla's listening in in Prague, no doubt. Um, so sorry she couldn't make it on the call, but that means it gives me an opportunity to slag her off when she's not here to defend herself. Oh, God, you see, yeah, I was going to introduce <laughs> you as the pair of wagons and then I thought that was mean, but actually it was probably pretty much on the money. Anyway, we'll come back to that. You have another night of funny women coming up in November. Now, what the good listeners here in Meath and Louth want to know is, are there any local women in this lineup? 
Well, for sure. We've actually maxed out on Mead and Loud um, oh. comedians on our lineup. Uh, first it's a funny place to be now, in fairness. It's very fierce funny around here. So, you know, well, indeed, not, no is, surprise. We have handpicked the funniest of the talents. <laughs> uh, the show is going to be headlined by Deirdre O'Kane. What? From Drada. I know we're absolutely privileged to have Deirdre on board and delighted that she's going to join the, the funny women lineup on the night. Um, Dirtbird, Sinead Colbert, yes. from Dundalk. Um, and Justine Stafford flies the flag for Knobber County Mead. Well, my so God. three out of our four comedians on the night. Um, and we also have a newcomer, uh, and we're really excited to watch her star ascend, called Sophia Cadigan, and she's from Kildare. But notwithstanding that, we let her on the lineup. <laughs> Deirdre O'Kane to headline. That's some coup. That's comedy royalty right there. Um, oh, 100%. But I, yes, but I, kind of, I kind of do feel sorry for her because I'm sure she got completely <laughs> hoodwinked and bullied into being involved in it. Well, you know how we roll, I Barbara. Do. Um, as I say, we're absolutely delighted. And, you know, I'm happy to, you, you labelled us as wagons. I'm happy to embrace that term in the best <laughs> possible way because what we've found is that when we reach out to people and respectfully ask for help, nine times out of ten, that help is forthcoming. And we asked uh, Deirdre to be a part of our show and she was more than happy to do so. So it is genuinely, genuinely a privilege for us because she is well, well royalty. Done. I was lucky lucky enough myself to catch her show Demented which is coming to the end of its run I caught her show earlier this year in the, in the Olympia and she's just she's an absolute legend she's yeah, she so is. relatable and so funny thrilled to bits to have her on board yeah no she is brilliant so what else can, can uh, punters expect on the night outside of the, the uh, Deirdre O'Kane and the other people you mentioned who else is on the lineup? Uh, so we've got Deirdre O'Kane, Justine Stafford, Dirk Birch, uh, Sinead Colbert and newcomer Sophia Cadigan. But as you know, Barbara, we're always inclined to pull a few surprises out of That's the That's what I'm waiting You're, for now, yep. Yes, you were our surprise oh, ticket at our last show. Oh, here we um, go. And for the listeners, uh, Barbara, I'm still recovering. you're too humble to acknowledge it yourself, <laughs> but you sold the show. Um, Barbara very kindly read excerpts of her book, oh. Wise Up, which is our Bible, because we practice what you preach. Oh, right. Um, now, my producer is going to think that I've paid you to say that. So can I just disclaimer, well, I did not, not pay all. anybody to say this. <laughs> not at all. Uh, Barbara absolutely stole the show. So you were one of our bonus bits last time. And this time we're going to have a very amusing panel discussion. Uh, we're going to ask members of the audience for the most embarrassing event. And that's going to be, that discussion is going to be moderated by Maria McKenzie, who people might know from Instagram as No Spring Chicken. She's Ex- hilarious. She has she a track record in broadcasting as well. So that's going to be absolutely gas. And we have a musical act to wrap up, up the show uh, for anybody who's at the show. Last time, Kirana Diamantino uh, did an amazing she Tina did. Turner tribute. Tina had just passed away shortly at that time. And she's going to come back with an absolute banger this time too. And she has just released her very first single called Fear on Spotify. So we're absolutely thrilled to, to have her back. So it's not just about funny women as in comedians. Um, we celebrate women who are funny. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. And it was such a party atmosphere. Like the energy in the room was amazing the last time. It was. How was your experience? Yeah, no, your uh, or have we just shocked you into it? Well, yeah, I'm still in therapy. But um, yeah, no, it was. <laughs> it was it was amazing. And you filled the room. You filled Whelan's, which is, you know, no small venue for comedy in Dublin. And it was a terrifically, it was really a terrific night. And um, where can people get tickets and when do they go on sale, Val? Well, because we're on live on air, we've actually opened up uh, ticket sales now. Originally, Ooh. tickets were meant to go on sale at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. But because our PR journey starts with yourself, Barbara, as an alumni of the show, alumni. we've actually opened up ticket sales now. So they're good to go. They're available on whelanslive.com. 
And uh, also on our Instagram account, we are Chatterbox. All the links are in our bio there. It'll send you straight to the, the, the ticket line in Whelan's and we will be promoting the show, promoting the acts, filling everybody in on everything that we've coming down the tracks. The show is on a Monday night, the 6th of November, in the main room in Whelan's. So our plan is to pack the room and we guarantee something in the range from a giggle to a guffaw. There'll be something for everybody in the night. And it's just about creating things that are funny. It's about celebrating funny women and to come along for a bit of a party atmosphere and have a great night out on a Monday night. And what we try to do, I suppose, is to encourage people that maybe don't have comedy as part of their repertoire. <laughs> I suppose people are used to going out for a drink or going to the movies or going out for dinner. If you haven't been to a comedy night at all, please come along. Bring your girlfriends. Bring the men in your life. We'd love to see more men at our show. So if, you, if the men out there are curious to know what we're banging on about, the men actually here to the prism of comedy come along in the night. The men, especially here in in Meath and Loud, they're very busy doing mm-hmm. the domestic chores because um, they're all <laughs> you know they're all fantastic. Um, listen, well, then, for sure they deserve a night out. They deserve so a night come out. Join us on the sixth of November. We'd love to have them there. Now you mentioned that on Instagram, you and uh, the aforementioned Orla, who's your co-conspirator in all of this, you. You have an yeah. Instagram account, which is We Are Chatterbox. What do you guys do when you're not doing the funny <laughs> women shows? Well, Orla and I met in our online writing group called Writers Inc. And we're both comedy writers, so I suppose it's unsurprising that we gravitated towards each other. And uh, we decided to collaborate on a couple of things. So uh, obviously the Funny Women event is one of the things that we've collaborated on. We've joined in that group, which is an online comedy community set up in the UK by Lynn Parker about 20 years ago. But we've also collaborated on a screenplay for a sitcom, which we're delighted to say is now on the move in an Irish production company. And we cannot wait to move that along and to move that project forward and hopefully bring it to life someday. And I suppose what Orla and I are trying to do is just create things that make us laugh and hopefully will make other people laugh. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to have some fun and to bring some people along on our comedy journey and to rope amazing people like you into Barbara. <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> so there are, here we go again because there are people who don't even realise how funny they are and you know I hope you had a brilliant experience in the show the last time and that's what we're trying to create is just an amazing experience. I turned 50 last week and Orla's in her early 50s as well and when I say we practice what you preach Barbara we genuinely do. We're <laughs> oh, like that's... we're in our 50s Let's do it. Let's that's, go. That's too kind. That is too there kind. Anyway, look at... Orla was a squash player and we've pivoted into this and we just want to bring a bit of joy into people's lives and have a good laugh. And you're two powerful women, so you are. Now, you can follow these two powerful women on Instagram where their Instagram account is we underscore r underscore chatterbox and you'll that'll keep you up to date with all the uh, with all the comings and goings that they are doing. Whelan's live for tickets. I hope somebody warns poor Deirdre O'Kane that by the time she comes <laughs> off the stage in Whelan's she'll probably be signed up to star in your sitcom. Probably. Val, thanks 100%. very thanks very, very Thank much you. for joining me. The best of luck with it. Thank you. About it. We bring you the best stories here on The Late Lunch. Did you know that not all heroes wear capes? Some wear collars, dog collars. No, they're not priests. The Irish Kennel Club have announced the launch of the Golden Paw Hero Dog Awards for 2023, um, which is kindly sponsored by Agria Pet Insure. To find out more about this, which sounds brilliant, I'm joined by June Wall from the Irish Kennel Club. Hello there, June. Hi Louise, how are you? It's Barbara here, June. It's lovely oh, to talk sorry. to you. That's that's per- you were talking to Louise probably a minute ago. I was, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Listen, hi Barbara, how are hi, you? I'm very well and I love I mean I love talking about dogs because dogs are just brilliant. So tell me about yeah. this award. What does it aim to do? Okay, uh, the aim of the awards is to 
uh, find, recognise and reward um, Ireland's most courageous canines, I suppose, you know. Uh, we're looking for stories of bravery, service, companionship, uh, just to reward good dogs and uh, the difference that they can make to people's everyday lives, you know. And so they don't have to be specifically working dogs, do they? They don't have to be a dog that's like um, it works for the Gardaí or for the Customs Service. They can be a dog, a regular dog, but who's done something or who who does something um, pretty special. Oh, absolutely. Yes, we have um, we have seven categories. Um, just for example, we've been running this for a few years now and it's very, very popular Um the first category we have is the life-changing dog, and this was won last year by a dog called Opie, which was a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, um, who alerted his owners about his um, hypoglycemic attacks. Wow. And um, Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. And then we have uh, the therapy stroke guide dog section. Uh, we also have a bravery section, and that was won last year by a collie uh, that saved his family from a house fire during the night. See, like, dogs um, are just the best, aren't they? We don't deserve oh, dogs. absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have a search and rescue dog section, and then we have a rehomed dog section, which is very popular, and a companion dog, and then we have the law enforcement dog. Which are the officially professional dogs, professionally absolutely, trained, yeah, and go yeah, to work every yeah. day and do useful things. Talk to me about mm-hmm. the rescue dogs. In that category, are you just looking for dogs who've, who've been rescued and who are now great dogs? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dogs that have probably went through trauma in their life for whatever reason and, you know, they've been rehabilitated and somebody has rescued them and they're in a really nice situation now. You know, just just a nice, warm story because there's so many rescue dogs now, you know. I, I mean, I think that's a great idea because I think mm. sometimes, you know, I have met people and I know people who have rescued dogs who have put in an awful lot of work to bring that dog to being a calm dog that can enjoy life. Um, you know, that doesn't happen without their owners putting in a lot of work as well. Isn't that true? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Because some of these dogs have a very traumatic start in life, you know, and it is it is sometimes hard to rehabilitate them. And it does take a lot of patience and kindness, you know. Yeah. But they yeah. they eventually come around and they make absolutely fantastic pets. I've often thought that if you want, you know, if you want a boost to your self-esteem, there's nothing like a dog, you know, who will levitate every time you come in the front door, no matter how many times you come in. You could come in 10 times in an hour and the dog's delighted to see you each time. (laughs) That's right. And if you feel you need to be taken down a peg or two, you should get a cat who'll Uh, completely ignore you. (laughs) most of the time yeah they're they're very independent cats and us dogs need you more I think oh totally sure I had to have a chat and my dog isn't happy that I'm working up here in Drogheda every day he's used to working with me where I work from home um, and he was looking at me every morning going where are you going again you know I really like when you stay here anyway last year was it your overall winner was Marcel that's right the overall winner last year was um Marcel, yeah, Golden Retriever, actually, who was in the therapy stroke guide dog section. And um, Marcel was trained from a puppy uh, for guide dogs. Right. But um, he actually got some kind of a, a, 
a reaction to the harness and he just couldn't bear it on him. So he, uh, they took him out of that and then he went into therapy dogs and he just visits hospitals and care homes. Beautiful, beautiful golden retriever. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I, I think that's a terrific, um, a terrific service because I often think if you're an older person who's been used to having animals and you're now in a care home and, you, you know, know, where you can't yeah. have an animal, um, yeah. I, I honestly think we should look at that because I think animals bring so much to anybody, you know, obviously not if you don't like animals, but if you're an animal lover, they are a huge, yeah. important part of your life, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I actually have a friend and she has um, a little Shih Tzu and she brings them to a care home in Kells, I think it is actually. In their eyes just light nice. up when they see the little dog, you know, and they she puts them puts them on their lap and they're stroking them and she said it just their whole day has changed and she said the girls that look after the, the people in the home that were saying that they talk about it for the rest of the day, you know. Yeah, it's hugely, it's it's hugely important. Now you have each of these categories, so there'll be a winner in each of the categories, and then there is a final where the overall uh, dog, I presume, will be will be crowned, which was Marcel last year. Um, <coughs> and when when does all of this happen? Uh, now the finals take place on the 18th of November in the Clayton uh, Dublin Airport Hotel. Great. And um, the entries are open until the 31st of October 2023. Um, I'll, I'll give the, the link to the to the uh, website for you. Please. You can give out there, yeah. And um, all the finalists will receive, a, it's a beautiful trophy, a Golden Paws trophy. They get €100 euro and they get Agria merchandise, and Agria are very kindly sponsoring it. Yeah, um, And a year's supply of Gain pet food, oh, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the overall winner obviously gets the trophy, and they get €200 euro merchandise and a big hamper from Gain pet food. And they might get on the Late Late Show. Well, last year we were lucky enough now to get on the Late Late Show. Amazing. So <laughs> we, fame. Yeah. Fame yeah, as well as fortune brilliant. and free dog yeah, food. Yeah. Listen, where do, where do yeah. people go? Yeah. If somebody knows a dog that should be nominated for this award, where do they go to, to, to um, register or whatever? Okay, they go on to the Irish Kennel Club website, which is www.ikc.ie and they'll see um, a, a nomination form. Brilliant. Um, now, all they need is a non-returnable photo of their dog. Great. A short description of their dog, between 200 and 500 words, and why they think the dog should be nominated. Lovely. Um, Listen, Jude, we're just out of time. That okay. is brilliant. But thank you so much. Really appreciate <laughs> that. And that's okay. it for today. Thank you very much to Louise, my producer. Thank you for listening. Eddie's next with The Drive and leaving you today with a bit of Dermot Kennedy. I'll see you tomorrow. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.